Welcome to the Core Principles Podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope you'll enjoy this lively discussion of relevant topics, which we attempt to examine through the lens of unchanging objective truth. Here's the host of the Core Principles Podcast, Clay Howerton. Thank you, Suzanne. On this episode of Core Principles, I'm going to talk about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Yes, that happened last month, and you've doubtless read and heard much about it. My hope with this episode is to consolidate some thoughts about the ongoing saga and hopefully share information that is valuable and interesting. One interesting thing I want listeners to ponder is a matter of speculation rather than already observed reality. Consider this question. What if President Trump was not the target of the raid on Mar-a-Lago? I present that question as a prompt for serious thought. I do not claim to know that is the case, and I don't even declare that I'm completely convinced of it. But many things point to that possibility, and I am an optimistic person generally. That said, I recognize the horror of what we call the swamp. The District of Columbia is infested with people who hate the core principles on which America was founded. You may recall then-Senator Barack Obama declaring his objective to, quote, fundamentally transform this nation, unquote. That was a tacit declaration of war against America as it expressed a deliberate, ongoing attempt to undermine the foundations of this nation. We have a constitution, and it's based on certain principles that our founders explicitly championed. Those founders gave us a mechanism to change the constitution. That's called the amendment process. But there are people who oppose the principles in the Constitution and who would fundamentally change it without even trying to go through the amendment process. Those people are, by definition, enemies of the Constitution of the United States. And those people are actively, aggressively fighting against the Constitution. And the District of Columbia, as I mentioned, is infested with such people. They stole the executive and legislative branches of our government, and they declared their intention to steal the judicial branch, too. Some of their allies have explicitly planned and attempted to assassinate justices for that same outcome. We must take their threats to our nation seriously. Donald John Trump has consistently expressed his love for America, and in 2015 he declared that he was willing to put in tireless hard work and take unspeakable abuse to try to defend this nation from that fundamental transformation by enemies of the Constitution. And the unspeakable abuse has truly been relentless ever since it became clear that Donald Trump really would try to defend America, as he said. The raid on Mar-a-Lago, which is the residence of Donald Trump, was either another element of that assault against Donald Trump, or it was a clever means to establish precedent for something that needs to happen and a way to get vital information to legal parties that require that information in defense of the Constitution. I don't know with certainty which of those possibilities is the actual case, but both are interesting. Let's look briefly at the first of those two options, that the raid on Mar-a-Lago was just another in the deep state's flailing, ridiculous attempts to get Trump at all costs. Then we'll spend most of the episode exploring the other very interesting possibility that Trump is not the target of the raid. If the raid was just another abuse of power by an out-of-control Democrat administration in Washington, D.C., 
then it is easy to understand and easy to ridicule. The so-called news media quickly speculated that the reason for the raid was that President Trump had documents marked classified at Mar-a-Lago. Note that they didn't call them classified documents. There's a reason for that. They also parroted the idea that perhaps those documents were related to other countries' nuclear programs. And they have applauded the Office of the Director of National Intelligence for suggesting a damage assessment that would suggest all the bad things that would happen if the seized information were acquired by other countries. All of this is ridiculous, and here are some simple reasons why. First, President Trump had a role as Commander-in-Chief known as OCA, or Original Classification Authority. He could classify or declassify anything, and he did declassify everything he took from the White House. It would not really be possible for him to mishandle classified information. Second, Mar-a-Lago has a skiff. That means Mar-a-Lago has a secure, compartmented information facility, which is authorized for openly handling the most highly classified information there is. So whatever information was there was not vulnerable to being compromised. The DNI damage assessment will necessarily be meaningless and just a trick to try to convince uninformed citizens that something bad or dangerous happened when it certainly did not. The news media is utterly dishonest, and so is every person aligned with the Biden administration. Third, Mar-a-Lago is guarded by Secret Service. It is secure. Information there is not vulnerable to leak. Next, some of the ridiculous claims by the Biden administration and the media to justify the unjust raid have to do with the National Archives. So here are two salient points to remember about the National Archives. Point one, the National Archives also has dishonest and lawless swamp creatures in it. There at the National Archives are records about Joe Biden and his ongoing corruption. America First Legal legally requested access to documents from Joe Biden's tenure as vice president, but the National Archives refuses to allow that access. AFL sued the National Archives for the documents, and yet the National Archives still refuses to comply with the requirement to provide access. As Stephen Miller noted on the 9th of September 2022, the concealment of those records by the National Archives is illegal. Point two. The National Archives has no authority as claimed in the ridiculous stories about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. From today, the 12th of September, 2022, in Case 922-CV-81294-AMC, on the FLSD docket, labeled Document 84, called A Former President Has an Unfettered Right to Access Presidential Records. Reference 44 United States Code Section 2205, Subsection 3, quote, All government records, classified or otherwise, fall into two basic categories, either under the Presidential Records Act or the Federal Records Act. No individual record can be subject to both statutes because their provisions are inconsistent. Unquote. Reference Armstrong versus Executive Office of the President, D.C. Circuit, 1993. And from Judicial Watch versus National Archives in 2012, quote, 
the categorization of the records during the presidency controls what happens next. The statute assigns the archivist no role with respect to personal records once the presidency concludes. The Presidential Records Act contains no provision obligating or even permitting the archivist to assume control over records that the president categorized and filed separately as personal records. The PRA does not confer any mandatory or even discretionary authority on the archivist to classify records. Under the statute, this responsibility is left solely to the president, unquote. And by the way, this was used by former President Bill Clinton. Note that the former president has sole discretion to declare a record personal or presidential. That was established in the Judicial Watch case I cited. Today's document that I have been referencing drives a stake right through the heart of the Get Trump vampires. Quote, Accordingly, all of the records at issue in the government's motion fall into two categories. One, presidential records governed exclusively by the Presidential Records Act, and two, personal records, the determination of which was in President Trump's discretion to the extent President Trump may have categorized certain of the seized materials as personal during his presidency, any disagreement as to that categorization is to be resolved under the PRA and cannot possibly form the basis for any criminal prosecution, unquote. Boom. All of the caterwauling by the media is smoke and utter nonsense. Furthermore, the utterly bogus search warrant was an obvious fishing expedition as it authorized the removal of anything from President Trump's entire time in office. Furthermore, the FBI took things beyond even that overbroad warrant. They raided Melania's closet and even young Barron's room. They made the Bureau a laughingstock and forfeit the vital trust that we citizens should have in the Federal Bureau of Investigation. But there has obviously been some infighting within the Bureau and within the Department of Justice. There are deep state swamp creatures within those organizations, but there are also good people within those organizations. Which side wins will be important to all of us. So let's look at the possibility that the good guys, those who want to make America great again, might be working and might even have a path to victory. For this latter part of the episode, we're examining the speculative question, what if President Trump was not the target of the raid on Mar-a-Lago? Do you remember the raids on other people who were supportive of President Trump? The news media were tipped off beforehand so that they could get video footage of the raid commencing. That way, the media could make utterly bogus reports implying things that were never true. Just as leftist media always does. But they did not know about the raid they most would have wanted to cover in that way, the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Why not? And who did know about the raid before it happened? Joe Biden claims not to have known about it. Now, that may be just another of his many lies, since he is utterly corrupt and dishonest. Or he may not just be able to remember knowing about it, since he is in a state of mental incompetence. But 
What if his claim that he didn't know about it were actually true? Who actually first told everyone about the raid? President Trump. And who apparently telegraphed the knowledge of the raid several hours prior to its commencement? Trump ally Dan Scavino. He went on Truth Social, which is President Trump's social media answer to Twitter, at precisely 47 minutes into that day of the raid, 12.47 a.m., he posted a photograph of a door to a house, and on the door to the house was the number 45. No explanation was offered for this midnight plus 47 minutes post on Truth Social, but in hindsight, it seems clear. 45 is a nickname for Donald Trump, the 45th president of the United States. 47 is a nod to Donald Trump, whom Dan Scavino would clearly like to see as the 47th president of the United States. The house door is, well, it's a door to 45's house, obviously. Someone was about to come to President Trump's door at his residence. And later that morning, the FBI did exactly that. And what does the raid on Mar-a-Lago, along with the other seemingly outrageous raids that preceded it, do? Well, the answer ties into that word precedes. The raids on people like Rudy Giuliani, Trump's lawyer, and on President Trump himself, establish precedent. Previously, it might have been unthinkable to sick the Department of Justice or the Federal Bureau of Investigation on a president's lawyer or on a former president himself. But now it has been done. So it can be done again without raising any cries of how dare you violate centuries of legal precedent. And there are some former presidents and lawyers who need to have the Department of Justice bring them finally to justice and a former first lady too. Now, what was at Mar-a-Lago? besides Melania's unmentionables and Barron's school supplies, that would be the focus of the FBI. Well, I've already proven that even the brain-dead Biden administration cannot fail to understand that any claims of mishandling classified information are non-starters, so it's not that. But many people have speculated that President Trump had information on the crimes of the leftists in the swamp. Remember, he told us several times, we caught them all. Yes, they did. But the criminals that the Trump folks caught have not yet been brought to justice. If the raiders of Mar-a-Lago were bad guys, then they would want to swipe those documents that prove the criminality of the leftists in D.C. so that the eventual cases against them would be thwarted. But if there were good guys involved in the raid on Mar-a-Lago, then taking those documents would do something extraordinary it would finally enter those documents into the legal system in such a way that they could be used in the cases against the leftists whom the Trump team caught. Regardless of which of these two possibilities are the prime mover in the raid, it would remain important for the good guys, those aligned with President Trump defending America against the leftists who oppose this nation, to secure those documents from rogue elements within the Department of Justice, who unfortunately certainly do exist. Therefore, the motion to appoint a special master to keep those documents was a necessity either way. And the Biden opposition to that is expected since Biden and company are enemies of justice. And here, the speculation about potential white hats 
being at least involved in the raid on Mar-a-Lago, gets even more interesting. Have you ever heard of Judge Barbara S. Jones? She was recommended by Senator Daniel Patrick Moynihan to be nominated to the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York. She was commissioned into that role in December 1995 and retired from it in January of 2013 to go into private practice. And where does she practice? At the New York office of Bracewell LLP. For a while, that practice had a different name because of a man who joined that firm as a partner. While Rudy Giuliani was with that firm, it was called Bracewell and Giuliani. That was the case until 2016. Barbara Jones and Rudy Giuliani worked together in that law firm. Yet, when Rudy Giuliani was subjected to a raid, as I mentioned before, there was a special master appointed to be caretaker of the items seized. Can you guess who was that special master? It was Judge Barbara S. Jones. Wait, what? Clay, you're saying that's crazy. Surely those legal folks know about conflict of interest. Yes, listeners, they know about conflict of interest. And they determined there was no conflict of interest because the fact known to the Department of Justice was that Rudy Giuliani was not the target of any criminal investigation related to that situation. So having his former legal colleague be the special master of his records was not a conflict. Oh, but listeners, there's more. Judge Barbara S. Jones was also the special master for the Michael Cohen case in 2018. Oh, and in December 2021, Judge Barbara S. Jones was named special master after the raid on Project Veritas. This one's interesting and ties to the criminality of Joe Biden. In brief, here's what happened. Project Veritas is run by James O'Keefe. The FBI raided them over the Ashley Biden diary, and they seized the phones of James O'Keefe and his journalists, along with a lot of documents that were clearly attorney-client privileged. Someone inside the investigation leaked internal Project Veritas memos from their legal counsel to the New York Times, and the New York Times began publishing some of them. James O'Keefe filed a motion for a special master to be appointed to step in and handle this. A federal judge appointed Barbara S. Jones to be that special master. Judge Jones ordered an investigation of the leak to the New York Times. And Judge Jones ordered the New York Times to take down everything it had published related to that case. And she forbade them from publishing anything more from the leaked documents of Project Veritas. The New York Times, of course, filed counter motions. And of course, they complained and whined like the worthless pieces of garbage that they are. But they lost. It was a big victory for James O'Keefe and for Project Veritas. But criminal charges did come from the raid. Those criminal charges were not aimed at Project Veritas nor James O'Keefe because they were never the actual target of the raid. Project Veritas had evidence the FBI needed to make its case against the people who allegedly stole the Ashley Biden diary and illegally transported it and then tried to profit from the sale of it to various media outlets. Now, for information on that, you can review the New York Post from the 25th of August, 2022. The point is this, the target of raids, not necessarily those whose property is raided, and 
Judge Barbara S. Jones has been appointed special master several times in cases that the media tried to paint as being about getting Trump, but they were always about something completely different, even something totally opposite. And now, listeners, we get to the point of how Judge Barbara S. Jones potentially fits into the speculation about the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Specifically, what if President Trump was not the target of that raid? Remember the document I cited earlier from FLSD Docket's case involving President Trump and the DOJ and the raid? That document I cited was about how President Trump had the absolute legal right to have the documents he had at Mar-a-Lago, and it was referenced as Document 84. Well, now, here's an excerpt from that same docket, but Document 83. This one is about the appointment of a special master following the raid on Mar-a-Lago. From page two of that document, quote, government's proposed candidates, unquote. Are you ready for this, listeners? Here's the top choice recommended and proposed by the United States Department of Justice to be the special master, to be the trusted agent, to keep the items seized in the raid on Mar-a-Lago. Drum roll, please. Quote, the Honorable Barbara S. Jones, retired judge of the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, partner in Bracewell LLP, unquote, etc. Yes, the same special master that has already proven the target of raids may be other than the one whose property is raided, the same special master who has already proven that relevant facts in specific cases seeming to involve allies of President Trump are not. The same special master who was allowed to be special master for a raid on Rudy Giuliani in spite of the fact that she was his co-worker at Bracewell and Giuliani Law Firm. The same special master who was special master on a case that appeared to be against Trump ally James O'Keefe, but was actually about people who had a diary that proves Joe Biden is a word I won't say on this show, but the first four letters of that word that I won't say that describe Joe Biden were also the first half of his nickname that ended with Pete. If you're curious, you can probably look that up. So, Judge Barbara S. Jones has been recommended by the government to be the special master in the raid on Mar-a-Lago. And the others nominated by both the government and by President Trump's lawyers are unlikely to be selected. So Judge Jones is the most likely to become special master again. It's worth noting that President Trump's lawyers objected today, the 12th of September, to Judge Jones as special master. A headline late in the day from CNN says, quote, Trump opposes DOJ's Mar-a-Lago special master candidates, but doesn't say why, unquote. Don't you love that? President Trump and his team are always playing chess against the checkers playing media, and the media always acts as if they're wise. The objections, for unstated reasons, are obviously perfunctory. To not thus at least casually object would look suspicious. Now, I mentioned that if President Trump were not actually the target of the raid on Mar-a-Lago, then there were other targets, and the information taken from Mar-a-Lago would be valuable and necessary to have in the legal system for its use against those actual targets. I'm going to conclude this episode with some thoughts sent to me by my friend Jay, who observed them posted online by The Last Refuge at theconservativetreehouse.com 
in an article entitled, A Different Take on the Dismissal of the Trump v. Clinton Lawsuit. What follows is all quotation from that article. To accept a bigger picture is often to accept the foundation of what is present is not what it appears. Recently, a Florida judge dismissed the lawsuit brought by President Trump against Hillary Clinton. The media have enjoyed ridiculing Trump by using the words of the judge who dismissed the case. Judge Donald M. Middlebrooks, a Clinton appointee, said Mr. Trump's filing was too lengthy, detailing events that are implausible because they lack any specific allegations which might provide factual support for the conclusions reached. In March 2022, President Trump filed a civil lawsuit against Hillary Clinton, Hillary for America Campaign Committee, the DNC, DNC Services Corp., Perkins Cole, Michael Sussman, Mark Elias, Debbie Wasserman Schultz, Charles Dolan, Jake Sullivan, John Podesta, Robbie Mook, Philip Rines, as well as Fusion GPS, Glenn Simpson, Peter Fritsch, Nellie Orr, Bruce Orr, Orbis Business Intelligence, Christopher Steele, Igor Danchenko, New Star Incorporated, Rodney Joffe, James Comey, Peter Strzok, Lisa Page, Kevin Kleinsmith, and Andrew McCabe. This wasn't a lawsuit per se. The 108 pages were more akin to a legal transfer mechanism from President Trump to lawyers who needed it. The filing was contingent upon a series of documents that would be needed to support the claims within it. Whoever wrote the lawsuit had obviously reviewed the evidence to support the filing. However, the attachments and citations were missing. That's obviously weird. In hindsight, things became clear when the DOJ raided the home of Donald Trump, and suddenly the motive to confiscate the documents that would be the missing lawsuit attachments and citations surfaced. With the ongoing investigation angle of the John Durham probe essentially blocking public release of declassified documents showing the efforts of all the lawsuit participants in the Trump-Russia collusion hoax, President Trump needed a legal way to secure and more importantly share the evidence. Think of it like the people around Trump wanting to show the lawyers the evidence in the documents. However, because of the construct of lawfare being deployed against Trump, any lawyer would need a reason to review that evidence. The Trump v. Clinton et al. lawsuit becomes that reason. The documents, whether classified or not, are reviewed by lawyers in preparation for the lawsuit. This is their legal justification for reviewing the documents. In essence, the lawsuit is a transfer mechanism permitting the Trump legal team to review the evidence on behalf of their client, former President Donald Trump. If the documents seized by the FBI were part of the lawsuit established by President Trump and his legal team in Trump v. Clinton, then the material seized is all attorney-client work product, lawfully obtained, constitutionally declassified, and legally protected material. And this is where the special master will play a key role. Well, listeners, this episode has been an unusual one in that I have spent over half of it on what is more speculation than established and observed fact, but I hope I have made it clear 
that there is no possible way President Trump is in the type of legal jeopardy the media keeps trying to convince people he is. And I hope that the speculation about the potential that President Trump was not the target of the raid is both sensible and understandable. We will only discover the truth of that as more information is available. Have a blessed day. Core Principles Podcast is produced in Paducah, Kentucky by Real Productions. Music is by Late July, L-E-I-G-H-T July. You can find our music on all streaming services or at latejuly.com. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of the Core Principles Podcast. Please visit core.buzzsprout.com for more information. And please share with your friends. We look forward to visiting with you again on our next episode.